Hello and welcome to the Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis, a little bit of a horse Chris DeSantis, and I am joined from the snowy Pacific Northwest by Joel Rollins. An early morning, It is Joel an early Rollins. morning, and you are a workhorse Chris DeSantis, not just a horse. So you're, you're, you're like a plow horse just trudging through. You're doing a great job. I appreciate that. I appreciate you and appreciate your attitude. And I think you had a great idea for today's podcast. Um, And so I want to let you introduce it a bit, but first I'll preface it by saying, um, you know, we love hearing from people that listen to the podcast. Uh, We, we do do this uh, for ourselves. Yes. But also for, for you guys. And we got a reader suggestion that said like listener suggestion, I should say that said, Let's um, let's have some sort of seasonal nature to this stuff, so that uh, it maybe has some relevance to where people, the, the the coaches that are listening to this, where they are at this particular moment. Um, so, so I'm going to let you take it from there. But but what direction are we headed in? Well, today, I think the first part is what I learned from the last time we spoke. This is before you bumped me off for Jake. This is this is back beforehand. And uh, yeah, right. I, well, I've taken a page out of the Chris DeSantis book. So when I, I used to teach first aid CPR at, uh, at the university I worked at. So if I ever teach it again, I'm going to take the Chris DeSantis approach. Of like, well, what you need to do is not get cut in the first place. So if we can just go to the front of that. So so that's that's what I'm going to do. So that whole podcast we did was like just what we need is you, you need to start this at the beginning. So I'm going to say like right now you're in the woods, you're bleeding. There's no way we can say don't get cut. This is like it's taper time, right. you're at the meet, and let's say you got a kid here. And so, again, obviously there's things that you've talked about we can lay out beforehand to, to set the groundwork that these won't come up. But um, when it got to, like, championship time, I'd encounter a few people, few few kinds of swims I would, I'd see a trend with. One would be, like, I, I kind of called it the person that was willing to hedge their bets. You know, where they're, like, they're putting all the chips yeah. on black. Except for this pile I'm going to put on right over here. You know, where, where they automatically would be like, I'm all set to go. I was like, you know, I'm not feeling great. Or, you know, those blocks are kind of high or I slipped on the block. You know, it's like they always have like a little something just in case it doesn't hit the swim they wanted. So that'd be like category one. Right. Category two is the, uh, the self-analyzer mid-race. You know, where all of a sudden they're in the middle of the race and whether it's like a 200 or a 500 or something like where they have enough time to kind of think. They get in there. And they, they, I used to always tell kids, stay in your own lane, you know, as in like, just swim your race. Don't look sure. around you. And, and so they looked around and maybe they got pulled off their pace and they're going a little bit faster. And then you could see them like around the third, 100, third 50 kind of going, I, this it must be my training or, or my techniques off or, you know, or, or, you know, so they automatically kind of laying out the, the foundation for what went wrong on this race. Cause obviously it's not going to be the time they want. And then the final one is the uh, parental sabotage. And I had this once. Um, we were at a meet. Um, we were at Nationals, actually. It's, it's live streamed. And um, between the between prelims and finals, the, the text comes in basically like, is this really a sport you want to keep doing? You know, you keep on, you know, botching these right. mornings like this. <laughs> and you're like, and, and, and the coach prefaced, you know, the recruitment, like, you know, this would be really good if, they could get away from their parents a little bit and thank thank goodness for social media live streaming and the cell phone that you're never that far away from your mom <laughs> so those those are the three i, saw. I know 
Yeah. Okay. So let's take them one by one. And uh, like I said, I feel like we probably could do a whole podcast on each of these archetypes, but um, let's, I'm going to do my best to try to have a tight conversation about each of All them right. and accept the limitation that you've given me, which yeah. is that I, I so, so, so you, you've taken the one, limitation is one hand and tied it behind we're, my we're, back. We're going to do your course. We're taking your course. But it's right now. It's it's already championship season. I haven't taken your course yet. So just what are some band aids I can put on this individual so they don't bleed to death in the woods? So so starting like with the person that kind of seems to always hedge their bets, whether they kind of like again yeah. seem to always they're sick, they're always too hot, too cold, too many people, not enough people. There's always something that kind of kept them from giving their one hundred percent. Yeah. And these are, so as I understand the premise that you're giving, and by the way, if you're frustrated with any of these situations, thank you for the plug, Joel. My advice to you is take the course because I will show you how to prevent these situations in the future. And an ounce of prevention, as we all know, is worth a pound of cure. So, but let's, let's, let's accept your premise and there let's, we go. let's talk about what to do in the moment. Right. I, I, I'm with you. So, so what you're talking about is somebody that is, actively kind of distancing themselves from the result before the result even Correct. happens. Like I talked to somebody yesterday who, you know, was making them walk all the way through what they were worried about going to a swim meet. And one of their fears was that they would be disappointed in how they had swim and then they would distance themselves. But you're talking about somebody that is already like before, you know, before there's a take your marks, they're they're pulling away, and you're as you as a coach, you can see them like pulling away, and they're communicating it to you by coming up with all sorts of sort of like circumstances that they are helpless against before the race even starts. You know that um, will you know just sort of like carry them like a leaf through the wind to a disappointing result. Right. 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 Yeah. And so, so again, that, you get kids all the time. Of course they have, they're nervous or something like that. What I'm saying the kids are just all the time. It's always something. There's always something that, you know, I, I, I never do well in these kinds of pools. It's, it's 79 degrees. My optimal racing temperature is 80 degree water. You know, like they always have one little caveat for this upcoming race. So don't get your hopes up because this is happening. Right. Yeah. So uh, the number one thing I think of when I hear this as a scenario is I actually, as a coach, like I really like this because I'll, and I'll tell you why, because so many times kids are, are struggling or worried, but the whole conversation that they're having about it is internal, right? And it's so hard to do anything for somebody who's locked everything you know, deep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just, so this is at least a person who's like, they're communicating exactly. with you. They are telling you what is going on and they're, you know, they're essentially engaged in an ego defense, right? They are, they are perceiving a threat to their sense of self, right? They have their sense of self wrapped up in how well they do in a swimming race. And um, they're already anticipating that that sense of self will be challenged or threatened in some way. They're, they're scared and they're like, well, I just want everybody to know that like, if it's bad, it wasn't right. my fault. Like it wasn't me. 
there, there's these, you know, there's all these circumstances that are, that I'm powerless right. against, right. Um, that influence me. And so I think, you know, if somebody is communicating that, um, but first I think like, and the reason why I keep describing what's going on here is because you can't even begin to communicate with an athlete that is stressed, you know, like around taper time, unless you understand what's going on with them. Because if you don't understand what's going on with them, then you can't communicate to them like, Hey, I see what's going on with you. And any attempt to do anything will likely end in a way that you don't want it to, where they go like, I tried to tell coach that I was worried and coach didn't hear me. And now I feel even more alone with my problem than I did before. Right. So it is worth spending a lot of time and, and anytime I'm coaching a coach and they, they come with a situation um, with athletes, I ask them a lot of questions to probe their level of understanding of what's going on. So given this general situation, I think you've got somebody that's engaged in ego defense. They are, um, they're anticipating that result. They want to distance themselves from it and that you can easily, I think most coaches intuitively know, okay, I want to help this person gain some agency to realize how much influence they have over the result, because I know that'll make it more likely that they're going to have a good result mm -hmm. on the other end. Um, where I think a lot of coaches get wrong or go wrong in this situation is they themselves as coaches um, get into the same mind space as the athlete. So instead of being the leader and the guide, they are also like stressed and frustrated. And when that athlete brings them, brings that to them, they, they actually mirror the behavior of, of the athlete. So they, they, they will get frustrated or they will sort of like lash out a bit at the athlete and be like, you're being totally ridiculous. You know, like none of that's none of that stuff that you're talking about matters. Like you, you're still in control. Like they'll start kind of badgering the athlete and they're doing the same. What I mean by mirroring is they're doing the same thing. They're, they're basically what they're communicating is if you don't do well, it's not my fault. Cause like I told you that, you know, none of this stuff matters or that you shouldn't think that way or, you know, this is not a productive way to show up to a meet. I told you that already. So like, it's not my fault. Right. Okay. Um, one of the scariest things that I have ever attempted, but I, I can tell you it's a lot more successful than the strategy that I just shared is, um, you can acknowledge to an athlete that there are, of course, a bunch of things that are out of both your control that will have an impact on whether or not they swim well. And I think if you acknowledge that first, then you've acknowledged what they're bringing with you, then they have a sense that they, you get them. And that allows you to turn the corner and start laying out the vision. But Hey, if we're going to, if we're going to acknowledge that we might as well admit that there are also a lot of things under your control and get them to get them to, like often this is a kid who has really strong analytical skills, you know, like that's how they're ideating six, seven things that are going to help them not do wrong. Give them homework, 
give them the task of orienting their mind towards what is under their control. Have them start coming up with it and don't come up with it for them. Because if you come up with it for them as a coach, then how are they supposed to get any sense of agency? Right. I said, if I go back to earlier saying they lacked agency, you have to actually like push them a little bit to say like, you can, you can come up with it. Let me hear some stuff that you think is under your control that you believe is under your control that will influence their result and turn their mind um, towards that. And I think that'll be really productive. It may not work. They may still go like, ah, I can't think of anything. Yeah. But it's but it's a far better approach than doing the same kind of ego defense. So if I can summarize kind of a little bit here and, and just to make sure I'm, I'm on the same wavelength here. So we've talked about this in the yeah. past as far as like a lot of times when coaches, when I know I have said something that I don't feel good about later on in the coaching, it's, it's usually like, Again, not, not to make excuses, but it's like I was, you know, very tired or things like that. So I'm at, let's just say I'm at a, at a championship meet. You got relay entries. You got, you know, parents dropping kids off at weird times. People missing warm ups. People coming, you know, in and not doing what they're supposed to do. And now you've got the one kid who's always kind of doing that. And so right away, you're kind of agitated. You have an agitated state, and they're coming yeah, to you looking for, sure. for a calm kind of a thing, and you kind of. Like you said, you're mirroring what they do. Also, they present this and you're just equally as frantically saying that's ridiculous. And again, in your head, when you're saying you're ridiculous, it's kind of basically saying, listen, I trust you. You're going to do great. Everything's really good. But it's coming out as in you're a failure. You're ridiculous versus in your, in your head, right. in the back of your head, you know, in the, in the, the, you know, the, the rational side of your brain, which you're not in at, at the start of warmups because everyone's coming at you. Is, is, you know, rationally, you're like, this, this doesn't make any sense. You've done a great job all year long. Of course, you'll do fine. But when you say, in summary, that's ridiculous, and you're kind of agitated, you really have no idea. You have, you have no control of the image you just projected, or even sometimes the tone that, that you had no intention of saying that they just heard. But, and so what you should, we should do is, in a sense, create some space, maybe. And so, like, is there a way, like, to... To tell a kid in a sense, hey, can we just put a bookmark on this here? And I really want to talk to you about it. But right now I got to make sure that, you know, these people are in the water going. So maybe create some space, catch that breath, understand that they're communicating with you. Because all these things normally are things that they're going through in their head that they're not articulating to anyone. Maybe not even to the parents. They're not even saying how nervous they are. And in a sense, this is their way of saying, I'm really nervous and I'm afraid that I might not do well. And so what you want to kind of do is come at them with the questions of like, you're right, there, there are things that are out of our control, but what you can control are the things that you've already done. You've worked really hard this season. You've hit these paces. You've overcome this adversity, this adversity, this adversity. And, like, and I'm sure that, and you can kind of, like you said, leave it to them. It's like, those are things I've seen, but what are some other things that you think you can control? And so the, obviously the, the great part is, this is what we went into coaching for is to help that one. The bad part is you right. know, we have 60 <laughs> kids and it's like, so now this five minutes, 10 minutes is 10 minutes less for that. But again, that that's really what we're there for is that idea of like, let's, let's in a sense, create some space for the moment. Like this is a very important conversation we're about to have. And I don't want to shortchange you at this moment. And so if we can kind of create space for a second, get ourselves calmed down, make sure that we organize ourselves into, and you said you had kind of a list of questions. Are there more questions that you would kind of probe into this besides 
What are some things you can kind of control in this situation? What are some things that you can do? You know, do you have your playlist together? Do you have the, whatever it is that they have um, a ritual that, that they might have or something? Yep. Are, are there more questions along those lines that, that you seem to think that would help? Well, like, look, I mean, again, I even think what I'm suggesting in comparison to, to what I heard you say you can you can make them come up with a lot more answers than so I already gave them. I already gave too many answers. answers for them. Like yeah, like I I wouldn't I would. It's going to be probably uncomfortable. But like if, if you think about the scenario that you presented, you're right. Like most people that coaches they're showing up and they've got so many people on deck that they are responsible for in the first place. So it is already an immensely stressful situation for you. And I would say making them come up with more answers serves a dual purpose. First off, it manages your energy as a coach so that, yeah, like you're not times, you know, 60 people having to like supply all the, like all the juice Mm -hmm. for everything right? Which is just a losing proposition. I think a lot of coaches, they fall into this trap. They go like, well, it's, well, it's my job. I have right. to do it. Like I've got to do this. And then they run themselves into the ground and then they end up making a mistake that they don't want to make because they're only human beings and they can't just keep like tapping that. Well, but on the other hand too, like you're, you're denying the, the athlete a chance for agency. So like more questions, if you, if you pose this more questions that I would ask, help them think it all the way through. So oftentimes when somebody is worried about something, I've noticed this about myself. Um, I have recently finally, um, uh, gotten into meditation and the insight that I've had that really drove meditation for me is that being alone with my, I always thought like, oh God, I'm not doing meditation right. Cause my mind's all over the place. Like it, it just like, it won't, I can't clear my mind, you know, like, and I had this image in my mind that I'm going to meditate. And then like, I just won't be thinking about anything. And so every time I meditated, I was thinking about a ton of things and I go, I'm doing it wrong. What I found out, <laughs> and this may be obvious to some other people, and but I'm sharing it because I think to a lot of people, it's not obvious. I, I, I talk to tons of other people who don't get it is being alone with my thoughts, with no other stimulation whatsoever. Oftentimes, while I'm thinking all the way around, I, I can actually finish thinking about something, Right. They can actually think something through to the end. So you have as a coach, if a kid is worried about something, you know, they're not really just worried about whether or not they have a good hundred free or not, that there is, there is three more layers or more of like stuff that they are scared of down the line, but they're not allowing themselves to think it all the way through and in, and in not allowing themselves think it all the way through in that empty space of stuff that they haven't finished thinking Mm -hmm. about, they are imagining the worst scenario. So no wonder they're scared, right? right? Like that's a natural thing as human beings where we don't know something like yet, or we haven't like thought about it yet. We just naturally fill that space with like the worst possible things. And sometimes if you go like, okay, so if you have a bad hundred free, then what? And they'll go, 
well, then I'm going to be so pissed off because I trained so hard this year and I didn't get a good hundred free. And okay. And you go, okay, so you're going to be pissed off. And then what? Well, you know, maybe they're going to say to get to a question, you're going to go later. I'm going to go up into the stands and my, my dad's going to be so pissed because, you know, like he, he takes me to practice every mm -hmm. day and, you know, like he spends a lot of money on this and he, you know, he, and I go, okay, so your dad's going to be pissed. And then what? Like keep asking them that question, get to the, get to the end of it because don't, and, and I think a lot of people are scared to do sure. that, but at the end of all those questions, usually is something way less scary than whatever they're filling in on the other end. And just being able to think it all the way through, like, and just acknowledge, like, I'm scared of this, 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 and this, it, it actually, it can take a load off. Like you don't have to keep circling it around. Your mind wants to complete tasks before it moves mm -hmm. on. Okay. Right. So let them complete, let them complete thinking about it. All the stuff they're worrying about, let them finish it. And I think people are scared to do it because one of um, the many psychological fallacies that just has populated the world of sports is this idea of a self-fulfilling prophecy. That is the idea that if you think about bad outcomes, they're more likely to happen. The, the, and that is actually true, but the application that people have done to it is, okay, well then we'll just not think about bad outcomes. And then there's all sorts of people that employing that as a strategy, they end up thinking more about their bad outcome because they don't just like let it finish. They don't process the whole thought and then it just stays there. And you think about it 10 times as much as you would have if you just from the very beginning went like, uh, I'm scared that if I don't do a good hundred free, nobody will love me and I'll be alone. You know, like, yeah. like just, just let it go all the way through. Good. And then, so if we go back to the uh, Chris DeSantis school of like, well, you should have fixed it long ago. I think at this point, at we're at the season where, where you're seeing these athletes come up, it's kind of maybe as a coach, maybe I would like start to mentally go, all right, this seems to be like, again, a common trend. What am I going to do proactively to start to keep that from happening? And also kind of the hard part is, and I, I didn't really notice until I fully stepped away from coaching was starting to go like, what do I do to fix myself? And, you know, we're always thinking about fixing the team rather than how do I fix myself so yeah. I don't get like this, where I don't make a snap or, or like a sarcastic comment, or I, I come off like with, with, with that mean mugging kind of face where you're like, you look angry, but you're just thinking like, how do I make it where I, I'm approachable? And so that they get the same coach in practice and the same coach in meets versus like sometimes there's the intensity coach and then there's, hey, the coach is willing to you know, sit back and listen. And then I'm kind of like, assuming that, well, you've seen me a hundred days in a row and I'm always willing to listen. This is my one day. It's like, it, it's kind of like, we always think that there's, um, we should have this huge mountain of goodwill. It's like, it's not that case. All of a sudden, if, if, if it's a, if it's a pretty critical moment in their life and, and they view, you know, big meets as a critical moment and then they came to you and you were, you know, weren't as empathetic as they, they were hoping uh, that's that they can pretty much crush them. Yeah. So, you know, so to, 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 to go in that direction, it's something that I've thought a lot about because, I mean, I will say for sure, I'm coming fresh off of uh, a last stint of coaching. And this was a huge challenge for me in coaching. I was responsible coach for 46 different kids and um, managing my own emotional state through that, extremely challenging. 
right? Extremely challenging. I think a lot of coaches, you know, like at, at their core, they are selfless people. They want to give something. They are thinking about their responsibility, that they have a responsibility to give to people regardless. But an unhealthy way in which that manifests, I think, is that they aren't able to sort of effectively set relationship boundaries. So when you talk about like, hey, you kind of some part of you expects that you should have this mountain of goodwill or another way of that might be like, I feel like the kids on my team should respect the effort I've put into mm -hmm. this. And like they should be showing up to treat me differently in this moment. So often what I my own reflection on that is that I, as a coach, was not respecting myself. I was not respecting what I was doing. So I don't think it's actually reasonable to expect that other people that are in a relationship with you are just going to like magically respect you if you don't have if you don't have that respect for yourself. So if I give an example of that, um, I was actually talking a couple days ago with the person who's coaching kids that I I we used to be the responsible coach for because she called me up and she said like, Hey, I would like some advice on how to coach this swimmer and coach that swimmer. And we we were discussing through one of the swimmers and the, this is a person who's um, for the group that they're in they're They're very dedicated. They ask a ton of questions. The swimmer asks a ton of questions and um, they're always sort of like, it, I, I, I was quite frustrated with the swimmer for a long time because that swimmer was always going off in their own direction. Like I would have like, Hey, we're doing this in practice. And I'd come over and I'd see them doing something. And I'd be like, what are you doing? And they'd say something. And I go, what do you mean? Like, why are you now working on your DPS? Like, I didn't, I didn't tell you to do that. Like, where did you come up with that? Um, and one of the ways that I actually think was successful that I handled this is when the swimmer would come up to me and, you know, want to ask their four non sequitur questions after practice, I had enough respect for myself and what I was doing to say, I'm not going to answer your questions because here's, here's one, two, three things that I told you today that I think will help you to get better. And, um, and yet what you, the action that you took in our relationship was to not trust me and you go off in your own direction. So you're now asking me to give more in this relationship when you haven't given back the basic thing to me. And so, no, I'm not answering any of your questions. And like this swimmer was stunned for months when I did this, like, what do you mean? You're not going to answer my question. Like you're the coach, you answer the question. I went, I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to, I don't have to tell you anything else right now. Um, and I, I will say over time, the way that that swimmer approached our interactions changed pretty dramatically, but it, it only came from me having enough respect for myself to say, it's not on me to just keep like building new plans for this person because they ask me mm -hmm. for it. I don't need to do that. Nice. I think I think if we go into like maybe the second uh, one we talk about, but this would be a great point in the whole podcast is if we had a sponsor that we'd give a little shout out to that sponsor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to give a shout out to uh, ProSum 
workouts. And um, they have been sponsoring this podcast um, here for a little bit. We are we're really excited to have them. You know, it's a website short, short, where short time, you know sponsor, longtime listener, and friend of the program, longtime listener, and and I actually think we're going to have um, Nico Messer, the man behind Pro Swim Workouts. I think we're going to have him on a podcast Great. next week. Um, I'm going to do the. I'm not going to bump you, Joel, this time. But I'm going to have Nico Messer on here and he can talk some more about ProSum works, but workouts. But basically, if you want to get on there and you want to get some inspiration when you're writing your own practice, um, I know that's something I always had a hard time with. Just like I fe would feel like I would get stuck and I'd go like, ah, like what, you know, what else could I do? What else? What else are other people doing? Can I sort of see something else and maybe sort of just change my perspective. Pro Swim Workout is a great resource for that. Um, they have all sorts of filters for you to come through and find your workout. Um, and right now you can get a discount and you can also support this podcast. If you sign up for Pro Swim Workout, CD Swim Coach is the offer code. And we look forward to having Nico on here as well to discuss it. All right, let's get to the next so scenario. So the next scenario, Thank so you, let's Joel. say, um, you know, I see these athletes sometimes where again, they, they would have some like, race strategy, they're, they're like flawed or they, they felt they should be at a certain place or they should be up with a certain person in their lane. So like a lot of times in like an LSC, for instance, it's the same eight top eight kids always racing the same events. And so if one day all of a sudden the person next to him is out fast, they're like, that is a reflection on them. They're like, I, I must be going too slow. Therefore, I've got to go faster and catch up to this person. And then now it's too fast. It's out of their race parameter. And they're like, you can just see them kind of analyzing what went wrong and they just completely start to shut down in the middle of the race. And so maybe either like something preventative or even again, when we talk about from our own perspective, when they come out like coach, I, I just think, I don't think we did enough fifties on whatever back half racing stuff. I don't think we did enough turn work. I don't think, you know, whatever it is. And so there's the coach also doesn't become like, blow up as in like now it becomes a defensive kind of thing where he's attacking you and you're attacking right back kind of thing. So you've got kind of two things where I'm, I'm, I'm wondering about in this, in this scenario, is there a way to like, if you see that this person's done this over and over again, is there something you can kind of do preventively? And then what happens when they come out and they're like throwing the blame on you and you're like, well, you know, maybe you didn't go out in a 11 two on the first 25 of your 500. We, we wouldn't be in this mess. Again, this is actually pretty similar to the first scenario to me that, that we're discussing. It's just the behavior on the other end is manifesting a little bit differently. So once again, you have a swimmer who, you know, they are, um, they are upset about the result that they achieved. Um, they feel a bit under threat. Their, their, their ego is, is threatened. And in this time, instead of, taking some sort of like environmental explanations, right? Their brain's trying to reconcile all that. Um, they're a little bit pissed and they're going like, well, where do, where do I put this? Well, coach is standing right there. I can blame it all on coach. <laughs> and then it's not my fault anymore, right? Um, and again, sort of similar to where we ended things with the other one, one of the th most important things I think you can do in this situation is um, be, be, believe in yourself and, and manage your own, like you don't have to take that from an athlete. Now you don't have to like 
lock horns with them and get in a big fight. I wouldn't suggest that, right? That's, that's not a good use of your energy and that's not, um, that's not going to help them either, but you don't, you also don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to be defensive and you don't, that like a lot of, I think a lot of people see their only options as being defensive or taking it. The, there is, there is a third path that you can take in that situation. Physical um, violence. And <laughs> Not, okay. My, that was the eighties. I'm sorry. Right. Sign up for Brazilian Jiu Jitsu yeah, right, class right. Yeah, there you go. and just look extremely menacing. And then no athlete is ever going to, right. uh, mess with you again. They're, they're going to go, you know, coach, I, I think practice was pretty good. I think practice was pretty <laughs> yeah. good. Um, I don't know yeah. what happened. No, I, um, I think if you actually, if you're anticipating this situation and you, you actually do the exercise of thinking things all the way through, mm -hmm. right. So that you not have, don't have to search in the moment for how you're going to respond, then the way you're going to be able to um, respond is, I don't know, more like a kid, like you and I have young children. And sometimes your kids get really upset with you because they don't get what you want. Um, and I've, I've learned you can just, you can just let them know that you heard what they said, but you don't have to agree with it. Right? Like, so you can say like, I, uh, I hear you're really frustrated right now. I don't, I don't agree that that's the reason and leave it at that. Right. Um, you can be a bit more aggressive about it. I'm one thing I witnessed with my old boss, coach Paul, this is a story that has, um, stuck with me for a long time. This is not exactly the scenario you're presenting, but you know, a swimmer came up to him after practice and they said like, you know, that practice was really boring. And Paul just went, uh, I'm not an entertainer. <laughs> I never thought my job was to entertain you. <laughs> and I walked away. <laughs> you know, like I was on a playground with my kids recently and, you know, it was a day off from school and there were, I was telling my wife this story because I said like, oh, I think I really, um, you know, like, I think I really upset these other two parents. They were coming up when we were talking about our kids and they go like, oh, it's just so stressful and they have a day off. Like, you know, because we got to entertain with them. We got to, we have to play with them all day long. And I just looked at them. I said, like, I pretty much never play with my kids. And they looked at me like, that's an option. I said, yeah, I just tell them like, I'm your dad. I'm not your playmate. I don't need to play with you. And they were like, they were like, what, how could you say something like that? Um, and I was like, yeah, you can just say that. I mean, I guess the, the gist of some of this is you can feel comfortable staying in your lane. Like if you're confident that your training was good, you can just, it, it doesn't have to be a big deal that somebody's coming to you and laying it all at your feet. You can just say, yeah, I hear you. I hear you frustrated, but I don't agree. Moving so on. I guess like, if, again, to kind of throw the summary here is, is really kind of focus on, again, the positive is that the communicating, they might be communicating loud. They might be pointing a finger, Sure, but again, communicating is always better uh, th th than them just kind of like, you know, just sitting down and staring at the pool, you know, and, and just sulking in it. Cause at yeah. least if they're communicating and they're angry, I always looked at it as like, if they, if they have emotion, at least they still care. 
You know, it's as soon as they don't care about the sport, then you're like, I, I don't know how to bring this one back. If someone's passionate about it, it's like you can kind of bring them back in. So communicate, validate that they're frustrated. Not not what they're saying. Just I understand you're frustrated right. and I get it. And then I think there's a lot we can go through and then kind of create that space again. So again, whatever's going on, the chaos that goes on in the meet that might be within you, you're not all of a sudden projecting that back. Because what we want is, is as a coach, right. you're like, you know, showing strength like we were just joking about is not being, you know, the jiu-jitsu champion and menacing. Showing strength is like, no matter what they're throwing at you, you're, you're pretty calm. It's like, I'm sorry you yeah. feel that way. You know, I know you're frustrated right now. And th- you're important to what you're saying here. And we're going to get back to this real soon. Make sure you get your warm down in. We'll come back and we'll talk about what we can do at this meet and what we can do at your future training. Uh, I don't really believe that that's the case. Um, but, but I'm going to listen to you. You know, again, so you kind of like, again, you're communicating, yeah. you created space, you validated that they're frustrated, you validated that, that they're important enough that you're going to talk to them. But then I think the third thing that you mentioned again, and you mentioned the first one is, is we want to finish this all the way through, you know, again, not, not being like, okay, well, it's just going to cut this off short here. We're going to have to, let's, let's finish, let them finish this thought through. Yeah. I mean, like, let them, I, I think what you want to do is make sure your response like, like, I think you highlighted a really good piece of this validates what they're saying at the other end. You don't, you can validate their emotion without validating the story they're telling good. themselves about. Thank you. Yeah. That way, right. You, that's the move that you can do. And I was reminded of this yesterday when I started coaching, this was long before I studied positive psychology, but I, I was in my first coaching job it was over the summers when I was in college and I was interning in a club team. And the head coach said, here, here's a big pile of ASCA talks, <laughs> make them into a coaching manual. Okay. And there's one that has always stuck with me. And I was thinking about it yesterday. And I think it's relevant to what we're discussing right now. Uh, Somebody should dig this guy up a sports psychologist. I remember his name was Tom Tutko. Okay. And he was giving a talk and he was talking about a basketball player. This guy was, you know, he had worked with a team and this guy on the basketball team, he was like this big, imposing, hulking seven footer Mm -hmm. center on the team. And the coach came to Tutko and he was like, I got a problem with this guy. This guy is physically like he could dominate every game we're playing in, but he's so passive, mm-hmm. right? And he's, he's shrinking back from contact with other players. Smaller players are playing more aggressively with him and getting the best of him. Like, what do I do? And I'll, I'll yada yada over a lot of piece of this. The solution that Tutko came up with that I've always thought about was he told the player and he had the coach get in on this. He said, I want you, whenever you're real frustrated with coach in practice, I want you to just let him have it. And there was these descriptions of the player getting frustrated at practice and just lobbing expletives at coach, mm-hmm. right? He was just giving it to his coach in practice. And I think so many coaches would be like terrified to do that, right? Because they're, they're, they're worried like how it's going to make them look that somebody is going after them that hard. But the thing about this player was, when you're, when you're passive and you're shrinking in, you know, chances are you are a pretty, you are experiencing really intense emotions at a lot of points, but you're not letting them out. And so all of that emotion gets turned inwards negatively mm-hmm. and it manifests itself as passivity in situations. So it is always better if you have, like, I would prefer a kid coming in and telling me I'm the worst coach in the world and it's all my fault and my practices were shit and that's why they didn't swim well to somebody coming up 
and just sort of meekly going like, hmm, that was bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do. And walking away to the warm nipple. I take it 10 times right. out of 10, the scenario you've presented. I always, um, I kind of joke with my friends a little bit about this, but it really wasn't a joke at all. It was the idea, like, again, we, we want these kids to be like, you know, hunters. You know, we want them to get out there and, and, and get going. And yet in practice, yeah. it's like the coaches will never lose an argument. You know, again, it's like, well, I, I don't want to create lap dogs. I don't want them obedient and just kind of stu- sitting down and be like, I'll just sit down and listen and nod my head and just wait for the kibble. You know, like I want, I want the dog that's just going to go out and like a steak on the table. I'm taking that steak. You know, I, again, it, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, you know, not a great analogy, but it, it's, it's kind of what I, I was thinking is like, again, it's like you want someone that's going to go out there and take something that's not going to settle for things. But yet if they're in practice, they're always kind of like, you just kind of lost that argument. You're going to do this set. You're not going to have any kind of, again, we have so many kids that we need structure, but yet again, like kind of to tie it back into the whole playing with the kids or being the entertainer is like, we take care of all the structure. We take care of the, the, my friend, a friend of mine calls it enter training. You know, we're like, it's not just training. You have to create an entertaining little variable within it. And then we're doing all the, and you're juggling yeah, on the yeah. sideline and doing a we're little the dance. Conversation, and like, we're this, we're that, we're that versus like, you know, get after it. Kids are yelling. That's great. Get after it. You know, again, allowing that emotion yeah. to be part of it. Cause you want that emotion. Um, but then don't be surprised when that emotion comes out and it, and it can come off as negative. And instead of saying this is negative viewing emotions, what I want communications, what I want, even if it's loud communication, I'll take loud communication over <laughs> sullen acceptance of defeat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's do the last, last scenario. One, I think we're going to have yeah, time. Let's say like, again, um, this is just one scenario, but I, I, I've talked to lots of coaches. We, we have parents like, again, maybe it's just one parent in there who just either doesn't understand sport or just doesn't understand that, that there's going to be adversity. So like this one, this one athlete, again, live stream, just all of a sudden gets the, gets the, the text. Of my, you sure you should do this sport anymore? It's like we're at nationals. She's pretty good at the sport. We don't, we don't need to go through the, the analysis of, of how good she is in the sport right this second. But then on a lower level, too, you, you'll hear it all the time where, you know, just, just the ride home, like, you didn't do this very well. You didn't do that. So, again, you, you're trying to be the positive force, you know, trying to keep them going. And yet at home, and, and the, what I've always told people is, like, I don't want to tell someone how to parent. If that's their parenting style, it's not my parenting style. But again, I'm not going to say your mom's wrong, you know, um, your mom's crazy, whatever it might be. I, I, it's again, what are we going to do to set up a, an environment where they can be successful, even though, you know, maybe what you see and we could be wrong. I mean, we're not geniuses. Maybe what you see is like, yeah, I don't know if this, this strategy is going to really help your son or daughter. I mean, so yeah, I, I think again, number one step understanding what's going on. And I, I think, um, for instance, I have seen a lot of really good stuff coming out of a, a swim coach that I think a few people have heard of. He's, uh, is named Eddie hmm. Reese. Let me jot um, that down. And one of the things, yeah, write that down. Cause he, he knows a, a thing or two. Um, but I, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff where he talks about how, just how overwhelmingly negative the environment for a lot of young people is right now. And therefore he knows that sort of part of his core mission is to counterweight that with, by creating a extremely positive environment in his swim practices, in, in the course of people participating in the sport of, 
um, swimming in order to sort of counterweight against that. Now that's a lot easier said than done, right? Because a lot of that negativity is pressing down on us as coaches as well. But if you start from the premise, like you go, my perception is this kid has a really negative environment at home around sports. Then one of the things you should know from the very beginning is applying uh, like you're not going to be able to out negative the situation at home. Like that's that toolkit for the most yeah. part is out of your yeah. hands. <laughs> like, you know, I, um, even in a, the situation uh, I described earlier, that same, that same swimmer was showing up late to a lot of practices. And my perception was that his parents were extremely hard on him, but I, I made a mistake anyway. I, my solution to getting him to come to practice was, just went around him and I talked to his parents and I said like, Hey, he's not showing up on time to practice. And they were like, I got, the, I knew I'd made a mistake because I got the email back. The parent were like, we had a talk with him. We let him know, you know, like that it is totally unacceptable that he's doing X and Y and Z. And like, I could tell they had come down really, really hard on the kid. And ultimately, you know, like it didn't create sustained change. Because yeah, the kid was earlier for a little bit because he was scared. He was remembering that painful interaction with his parents, but it didn't, it didn't sustain motivation to change stuff in the long term because eventually like all of us just get, just get worn out by overwhelming negativity. And we just sort of like hunker down, rewrite, and you just, you sort of like go into yourself and you start disassociating until you really just don't care anymore about what's happening. So I think understanding that and um, providing that counterweight against it. Another pitfall, and I guess I know I'm, I'm dancing around giving some advice, but I think that there are solutions that people come up with that are not the best solution. And I, 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 want, to, I want to address them in the course of this. Another solution that I think people go to is, you know, they'll, they'll kind of put the kid in the middle and they will start like contradicting, right? You don't, you don't want to tell anybody that they're a bad parent. What you definitely don't want to do is tell a kid that their parent is bad, right? And then, because with the situation you're putting them in is really unfair right. that now they've got the parent on one end and you on the other end, and you know, like they have to choose right? Who's, who's right or who's what, what you, what you might want to do that, let them do is give them again, we've used this term a lot, give them some space to where they can, like, they can speak out loud and communicate a little bit about what kind of negativity, um, they have, what, what kind of negativity they're experiencing and what, like, what, how what do you mean by that? If you can kind of keep going. So like, what kind of negative do they have? Do you yeah, mean so that like you said, you said, or the negativity that they're getting from their parents? Well, even the scenario that you presented, yeah. like the only reason you knew about the text message that was sent in the in the course of the meet, yeah. I'm assuming, is because the kid showed right. it to you and was like, "This is happening yeah. right now." So, in my mind, you should give yourself a pat on the back if you're finding yourself in that scenario, because already the kid at least feels comfortable just like showing it. 
And you can listen. The hardest thing to do, I think, is listen in that moment and not be judgmental because like instantly you're going to be like, that is such a shit text message to send to somebody when they're in the middle. Like, how could you do that? You just have to go like, just ask them, ask some open-ended questions. Like, wow. Like, how'd you feel getting that? Yeah. Like, what are you thinking about after getting a text message like that? You know, and just, just give them at least somebody to, again, process what's going on and think all the way through and you just listen and, you know, even back to them, you don't have to like, you don't have to provide any analysis. You don't have to provide any critique. You can go like, well, it sounds like, you know, you thought, um, or you felt like that was a pretty upsetting text to get during the meet. And they'll be like, yeah, you can just leave it at that. The huge win if you've made it to that point, I think, <laughs> because you've expressed basic human empathy for somebody. One else. thing I think, um, embarrassed just thinking now is like again, like you're saying, instead of going the confrontation, like, well, that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. You're blah 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 blah. It, we always talk as coaches about you know preparing them for life, you know, and, and so the idea here is again, even if this is a national meet or whatever meet. That's not the important thing was that second swim or whatever they have coming up next. The important thing is that, again, that they were able to kind of talk through something that actually will help them later in life. Something where they can go, okay, this is happening. What am I going to do to move forward versus how do I get a good swim out of this? How do I, how do I turn this into like, oh, I'm going to seething anger into a great race or whatever. It's like, no, it's like someone actually cares about you. Someone gives a crap what you have to say and let's – uh you know, let, let's get through this somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want to, I mean, you, you can have a confrontation about that, but the only person who you should have a confrontation about is, is a parent is the parent who's sending the, the text message. And I think you, that's like a very, very much a judgment call that you have to make. You definitely, I would not advise you to that's do a it whole in the middle podcast. of a championship meet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, so just, you can file it away for later. You can, you can, you have a couple different directions. You can go to it. You know, chances are that's probably a parent that is going to um, be confrontational with you at some point. And at that point in that conversation, I think it's totally appropriate to bring up like, Hey, I saw you did this. And I don't agree with it. So, so kind like, of in a very kind of prioritizing confident way, prioritizing like right yeah. now, the most important thing is the emotional well-being, not, not the swim, the, the literal emotional yeah. well-being of your athlete at that moment, you know, and, and yeah. get them through that. And that's, that's, that's and picking a fight with their parents no, would no, definitely no. not help. So the win is they've <laughs> confided in you that they communicated. The second part is yeah. if you can just get them through this moment emotionally and let them start to kind of right. you know do their own again their own um, analysis their own interpretation not you again you know telling your kids what to do like you're going to play on this structure for five minutes you're, you're like you're letting them work out their own stuff let her let him or her work out their own thing a little bit you're there again again not over not getting out of your own lane but just like acknowledging it, letting them talk it through, letting them come up with something else or not coming up with anything, but letting them kind of talk through and then, then get back in your lane. And, and, and again, that's the win. If anything comes out and they have a great performance, that's about pretty far down the food chain as far as like importance to that day. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, before we close this one off, I guess I'm going to turn the tables on you because you've been, you've been so great. You've been asking me questions this whole time. But like, as you listen through all of this, like, I guess, what is some stuff? I mean, you've been a coach a long time and I think you've had some pretty good championship meet results. I mean, I was reminded recently, um, I, I've teased you so many times on this podcast that you had the, the first, uh, woman to swim under a minute on a hundred breaststroke split in division three, you know, like that's a pretty good result at taper time. Um, what's some stuff from, from taper time that even now, as you have some distance from it, that, that, that you reflect on that you would tell to other people. The funny thing is actually not, not to be like, Oh, that one swim we had, uh, for her to do that swim. Um, she actually was, uh, she quit swimming about 10 seconds before that race. She was in the car, you know, the collegiate athlete, and she's like, I'm going home. I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm done. And, and, and like, cause like some kids was me. Okay. Kids now we need this story. So what did you say? <laughs> so it was like one of those things where like, yeah. So what did you do? Um, you know, we, we kind of just, again, you just kind of did the same thing. We just sat down, nodded your head. Cause it's one of those, again, we're like, sometimes you're just in such disbelief that like, I can't believe this is what <laughs> you're like, where's, where's that camera? Isn't that a little early for Ashley Kutcher right. to be out here with the punt camera. Um, but, but again, it's one of those where I, I, I always thought that the, the part I was pretty decent at was, it was just kind of like listening to someone kind of go. And, and I always appreciated the emotion of the moment and emotion of like what all is going on. I mean, there's so much overwhelming. I mean, the lights are bright. It's too hot. There's all this noise. There's all these things that just are, are normal, you know, agitators, you know, to your nervous system. And now you've got this race and this and this and this and this and this. And so just to kind of get someone to like, again, uh, in that situation, like I knew there was nothing I could do to fix it. And so I could listen because it was like, we're, we're already at ground zero. There's, there's nothing we can do. And I just basically said, you know, it's like, this is one of those points in your life where you can either let, let other people, you know, dictate what you're going to do next by, by making them, making you feel insecure about this. Or you can kind of take ownership and be like, I've worked way too hard to let someone do push me around. I'm going to, I'm going to show them what I can do. And I said, you know, it's on you and I'm going to yeah. support you the direction that you go. Um, just, you know, give me a heads up if we need to pull you from the relay. Uh, just, just to be fair to those other women that are going to swim with you. But, you know, I'm here for you. you. You do what you need to do. And if this is the last meet, it's been nice working with you this far. You know, and so that luckily worked for her. Yeah. Um, and, it, and again, it was like it was rolling the dice. Like I came up came up with a with a seven on that one but it could have easily been like great mom we're out of here and that that was the last we would have seen her too so yeah it, it is it is it's an emotional ride on all those and i think um like you said it is the big thing is if they're communicating no matter what is all that you really need to do and, and you just kind of keep them talking and uh, kind of as you were mentioning like letting them letting them talk things through i would always be like okay so then in the end of this, you're going to get hydroencephalitis and your head's going to fill with water and you're probably going to explode. I, I see where you're going with this. And so just kind of point out the ridiculousness. But I, that was the kind of relationship I had with a lot of the kids was like, I can point out how ridiculous right. it was getting. And then they could stop and go, yeah, maybe, maybe this isn't terminal cancer. Maybe this is just a bad swim. We'll, we'll be okay. Right. Just a bad 500. Yeah. I mean, what I hear in that story though, Joel, that I think is, is, powerful that I think people should really listen to 
is you're right. Like we've talked about it so many times in this podcast, the stuff about the, 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 the nervous system and you have this incredibly stimulating environment and then you have this event that people are anticipating that, that, that is emotionally like it has so much weight and that, that, that in itself is just, they're just like, they're literally overstimulated, right? They're, they're, what they're communicating is this moment right now, I am overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by what's going on. And if you, as a coach, if you can potentially, while they're communicating this to you, come with a different energy that says whatever it is, the words that actually come out of your mouth. But if your energy is, I know this, I know you're really overwhelmed right now, but I'm not overwhelmed in this moment, mm -hmm. right? You actually like you, you enter a shared space together and it allows their nervous system to go like, Oh, maybe everything's not that overwhelming. Right, right. Like maybe, maybe it's going to be okay for a second. They can just like come out of it for a second. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and that, that allows them to show up in a different way on the thing that they're, they're trying to do. Because <laughs> if we go back to all these other podcasts, I mean, I think the, the theme of this is that, you know, when your nervous system is, um, in the proper, in the proper orientation, I don't know the right way to d describe it. That's where you can get the best possible performance. Also, in the, uh, the the video also is paused on the, and the dramatic. I'm going to have to listen to the podcast to get to the, the conclusion. Yeah. One thing I was also thinking <laughs> is um, kind of along these same lines was like how you were um, assigned to like read every Oscar manual and, and come up with it. Uh, when I worked in, um, I worked for Milton Elms for a little bit. His, his thought was, uh, here, Joel, I want you to read this book on swimming and uh, kind of get back to me on it. It was uh, Don't Shoot the Dog, Dog Training Manual. That was the only, only book he ever gave me to read. It's, it's more of a pamphlet. But it's really good as far as understanding right. reward structures. And one of the things that I got out of it was the idea like if you got a huge dog, you got a pit bull or something like that, and he's aggressively going forward, your initial reaction is aggressively pull back. And that dog's going to pull harder forward, and you're not going to overpower that. And so the manual said what you do is right. you, you jerk the, the dog a little bit to the side, not like you're trying to break its neck or hurt it. You just, you just tug it a little bit to the side, and all of a sudden the dog just kind of goes, what? what? Why am I going left? Right. And, and that's what I always thought with this too, is anytime a kid comes at really hard emotion, if you come back hard emotion, it's like it's, you're pulling that pit bull and it's going to, it's going to escalate where, you know, either way, either you win by you pulled that dog back so hard that they're not the dog you wanted, or they've put one and now you're not the coach you wanted to be. It's like the idea was like, hey, why are we here? Why, why is this going on? And it did, that little left jerk, jerk yeah. of the chain is enough to kind of pop them out of that emotional state and let's get into like a rational frame. Like, geez, let's, let's kind of take a moment and, and, and look at this. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of, um, disorientation sometimes, yeah. uh, can, can, can help as well. All right. Well, I hope there's a lot of really, I don't hope there's a lot of really good <laughs> tips in here there were. for people that are, that are in taper time. To, Sorry you might to have all to the college sift, coaches. You might have to sift through the analogy, yeah. but it's in there. Yeah. No, you gems, know, no, gems it's all gold. Dirt. It's all, right. all gold. Uh, sorry to all the college coaches who already had your conference meet, but but maybe you're listening to this too, and you go, "Ah, oh, gosh, uh, now I now I have an idea of what I'm going to do." Or gosh, I should enroll um, again, in Chris DeSantis' class. Yeah. I, I heard that those are filling well. Come, yes, and 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 for two hundred and ten dollars, um, gosh, that's kind of a bargain for. It, it, the, the kind of stuff we're talking about here. Um, if you like what you're hearing at the podcast, 
Um, I can, I can guarantee you, uh, we, we haven't even discussed 10% of what you're going to get out of the course. So, um, there's so much more in there. There's so much more for you guys. Uh, I'm really excited to do it. I'm going to be, um, bringing Nico on as he's another person who signed up for the course. Um, we're going to have a bit of a conversation and always love talking to him. That's coming up soon. Um, you go to christycoach.com. There's a new website coming here within the next few weeks. Um, it's still going to be christycoach.com, but it's, it's, it's in the process of a full redesign. Um, Instagram, Christy underscore coach, CD swim coach on Facebook. Um, subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Watch the YouTube version if you're one of those, you know, 50 people that for whatever reason wants to uh, listen to this and leave a comment and have a conversation with us. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us what you'd like to see in the future. As you have heard on this, we take feedback um, or at least Joel does. And then he's sort of like, you know, he, he, he beats me over the head with it until we, we decide to put it on the podcast. And that's what I like about him. So um, thank you, Joel. Thanks. And thank you to everybody for listening. And uh, we'll see you again thank soon. You.